really good that we got the mimic up first because that's really going to offset uh, the last one. <laughs> yeah. So this week we're talking about Haunted Again, season two. And we watched episodes one, two, and three for today. Um, so you just mentioned that we're going to be talking about first episode one, The Mimic. Uh, so I'll just give the little summary. Rebecca is a storyteller, and she is talking about moving into a house with some of her friends. They She starts having supernatural experiences, and... They are manifesting with her hearing all the other people that live in the house saying her name or calling to her, and a lot of the activity seems to be happening in the basement. They have a roommate, another roommate move in who moves into the basement, and he has a supernatural experience in the basement, and eventually it escalates um, to a very spooky Halloween monster, and everybody moves out. So that's just the basic, basic rundown. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first note that I have is that we have another episode with a nice-looking woman. So, of course, the little teaser, opening teaser that we get before they even start the story is just her in a towel screaming. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we get worse than that later on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that was just my first note. So the story kind of starts out with Rebecca talking about her being diagnosed with POTS. um, And this results in her having a heart monitor uh, on at all times that basically starts beeping, I think, when her heart rate is high, but her blood pressure gets really low. Um, And it's just to warn her that this is happening so that she doesn't faint um, because she can faint. This, yes. I have some notes about this kind of throughout that it's kind of odd. It seems odd that they have her tell this element of her health history to us because it doesn't seem super relevant. It doesn't become in any way relevant to the story except that the heart monitor becomes a character in the story in that for the first half of the story, it's there to make sure that we understand that she's scared. Like every time she's scared, the heart monitor starts going off. Um, I don't know if that's how POTS works. Like if you just like, if you, because it seems like it would be heart rate increase, blood pressure low. Right. So does that just happen when you're scared naturally? Like that doesn't necessarily I'm not sure if that's true. But then halfway through, they just kind of like totally forget about that. We never see the heart monitor again. Like there's multiple reenactments where she's scared and she just like is not wearing it because she's either having sex, asleep, in the shower. Like they just, she just doesn't have it anymore. But in the beginning, it's a a primary or a secondary character where the heart monitor is there to make sure that we understand she is spooked. Yeah, no, I I would have loved if like during the sex scene, it was just like beeping away. (laughs) Um, I have two notes about it. I have uh, heart monitor is kind of fun because it lets you know when scary things are happening because mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to tell with this show. <laughs> uh, and then right after that, like literally the very next note, okay, now I'm kind of over the heart monitor <laughs> thing. The beeping is really annoying. Yeah. And I guess the writers decided that too because they just completely stopped using it after that point. So Yeah, the way they use it in the story is really 
odd. I mean, it's not like when she's telling the story and she's getting upset, her wrist starts beeping in the in the like real uh, part. Um, yeah, it would have been cool if it was related to the spooking, but it it's not really. Nope. Other than that, it lets you know that she's feeling spooked. Yeah, no, it's completely unrelated. Like the producers definitely were like, what's that on your wrist? And then like made her tell them that. And they were like, oh, you should say that in the story so that we can make sure so that we can use the beeping. That is, that's going to be good for the reenactment. Spice it up just a little bit. Yeah, because it's not like she ever gets like sick or something in the story where you're like, oh, OK, that makes sense why they had to like set up why she like that. She had a pre-existing condition like, mm, no, never comes up again other than the yeah. beeping. I also think it's weird. So when they move into the, so they move into this house and it's this historic house in Cleveland, very old, very big. Um, and they move into the house and when they are the first scene, when they're in the house and they're kind of looking around, um, the house is just filled with like old furniture covered in sheets and like in kind of complete disarray. Like there's just like lamps knocked over. There's like an old piano there. And I was, and it's pitch black. It's pitch black. And it, yeah, it's very strange. It's just like, that's not what a part apartment looks like when you move in. Like even if yeah. someone hadn't lived there in a while, they wouldn't just leave all their shit. And then the landlord wouldn't be like, Hey, all these books and lamps and furniture and all this shit, like, you guys just take care of that. Like, that's, like, so freaking weird. Like, maybe a piano in an old house because those are hard to move. Like, maybe something like that makes sense. But not. Like, there's just, like, tons of crap. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it has, like, the vibe of when you see a horror movie and they uh, take over, like, an older estate. Like, they buy a house and it just kind of comes with all the stuff. But that's not the scenario here. They moved into a rental that had been previously rented. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that that's just super weird. And then they also make a big deal about this ornate grate and how the grate, there's this ornate grate in the vestibule and it leads down to the basement and they kind of make a big deal about that it was creepy. And I guess that's to let us know that the basement is going to be a scary thing later. But A, I think that's kind of weird, like a giant grate in the middle of the vestibule that goes to the basement in like a private home. And B, the grate is not important. Like, the basement is important, but it's not like spooky sounds come out of the grate or something happens with the grate. It's just, like, and there was a weird ornate grate, and, like, let's spend some time talking about it, just, I guess, to set us up that the basement's spooky. I don't know if we need a setup that the basement's spooky, because all basements are spooky. So do we really need a backstory on why the basement is spooky? I completely forgot about the grate. I have a note that when they moved in, it looked like a haunted house. And they're all like, wow, this is amazing. It's like, <laughs> we love really? it here. Oh, it totally doesn't look like someone died here, which they find out later on did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, I guess. Um, no, I, I completely forgot about the grate. I, that's how much of an afterthought it was. Because the noises just come out of the basement door, which is right next to the, the upstairs. Yeah. That everybody just goes down and hears. Um, so before we kind of get into the action, well, the first kind of like action sequence we get is that she's painting and she hears her roommate Z calling her. And the only note that I have about this is the costuming for this scene is so funny to me because (laughs) she's dressed like Rachel in Friends from the 90s painting. (laughs) Like she has on these overalls with the one shoulder down and this like 
you know, kind of wacky scarf with her hair off her neck. And then she has on like a seashell necklace that was like really popular, like to get from the beach in the 90s. Like her outfit is totally 90s themed. But this woman is our age. Like she was not a 25 year old in the 90s. So this is not set in the 90s. This is like maybe 10 years ago, probably more like five years ago. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just like, I was like, wh- I was like, whoa, she's got like, you know, 90s painting contour going on here. Like category is Rachel and friends painting. <laughs> like, I, just... I didn't write that in my notes, but I do remember <laughs> thinking like, wow, that's a that's a look <laughs> to have in a your spooky haunted house. Um, so she gets spooked. She goes downstairs. Um, some creepy happens with the basement door and then her roommate shows up and it, you know, it becomes clear that it wasn't the roommate calling her. And then they mm-hmm. kind of pan to like a, the, some of the friends. So again, they're in this kind of intervention style, you know, room where they have some people there and it's Becca, her boyfriend, um, a room, uh, the basement roommate that we're going to learn about later. And then these two other women, um, Z, who is another roommate, and then another woman who I don't know if she lived there. Or she was just her friend. They don't really explain her role. But Z, the roommate, and the other woman both like do not believe this haunting happened. Like the one girl is like, "Oh, I don't like you. Never told me any of this. I never heard about this this major life event." And then Z is just like, "Yeah, like I just told you, you were like smelling paint fumes because like I don't know. I never heard anything, but I was working a lot. I guess like benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but like Z like lived there and legit was just like, yeah, it's like you could tell her face the whole time is like, yeah, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that part was funny. Um, Makes you wonder why they even showed up, kind of. Yeah, it's like what like that's the thing about the show is they always have one or two people there that have no idea why they're there. And they were like in the in the life or life of the person that was currently going through those things. Sometimes, sometimes they're just like some family member that was not involved at all, or an expert or something yeah most of the time they're part of the story but sometimes they just have some random people there that you're like who's that person they don't explain what that person's role is like why is she here (laughs) yeah i have a few notes about that in the third episode oh so you mentioned that it was really dark in the house so one more note before we get to the next action sequence is why do they only have red light bulbs in this house yeah like (laughs) two lumen like light bulbs they have a light radius of about two feet. <laughs> yeah, they have two red light bulbs that barely light the house. This includes the bathroom has a red light bulb. The whole house has a red light bulb. Even in the end, when they're running like away from the house, the house is all lit up. All the windows are red. And then even like the taillights of the car are, like illuminated on them as red. So clearly this is like a stylistic choice. And it does look creepy and it does look cool. Um, but mm-hmm. agreed. it's just kind of like, you know, just like the house being this kind of haunted mansion style rental house, it, it's just totally unrealistic. Like you wouldn't be painting your room with a dim red light. Like you have to see where you're painting. You would have bright lights on to like see what you're freaking doing. <laughs> so well, I, maybe that's why she missed the big water spot in her ceiling <laughs> yeah. over and over again. Yeah. She wasn't doing a very good job. I mean, I didn't want to. I mean, I know she's just acting, but I was like, oh, God, that she's, like, not painting evenly. That's going to look terrible. <laughs> Barely has any paint on the roller. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay, so let's talk about the next action sequence. Jared, her boyfriend, um, so she says, Jared spends the night, and then it switches to the reenactment immediately. to graphic sex. Yeah. <laughs> Full nudity, graphic sex. I did love that. It was such an abrupt cut. <laughs> they got another actress willing to do nudity, so they got to throw a sex scene in there. Um, and- yeah, this this was my favorite part. Let me just say, uh, while they're having sex, she looks up and sees the, the water spot again. Mm-hmm. And I have in notes that I would be so emasculated if I was having sex with someone and they stopped halfway through and they're like, ah, no, no, it's great, but ooh, that water spot on my ceiling is just so distracting. <laughs> yeah. He's so disappointed in myself. Yeah, Jared doesn't, maybe Jared doesn't have that much game. I don't know. It sounds that way. Um, yeah, I also made a note, like, there was no heart monitor in this scene, but that would have been yeah. great if there was. <laughs> just beep. going to the rhythm of the beeping, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, a little beeping and then, like, no more beeping and she's just staring well, at the ceiling like huh <laughs> just like yeah. not trailing up yeah maybe there was the heart monitor and it was just like really lackluster sex <laughs> oh poor jared <laughs> um so anyway they have sex they go to sleep and in the middle of the night jared hears z so z is another roommate and I don't think we mentioned it, but she's very beautiful. Like she had very beautiful woman, pretty red hair, cool, like nose piercing. Um, so here's here's Z calling him in the middle of the night to come downstairs. And he gets up naked, like he has underwear on, but he's <laughs> naked, and he just doesn't wake up Becca and just goes downstairs to look for Z. And um let's pause before we get to like the ghost ship, but like is that not odd? Like, doesn't that suggest something? What? That seems like something maybe was going on. Like, like who? Like, if I was over at my partner's house and I heard their roommate calling my name, I wouldn't get up naked and go look for them. I would wake my partner up and be like, hey, your roommate is calling for me. Like, it, like she, I think she's hurt or something. Like, let's go look for her. Like, what is so weird? Like, they totally gloss over that that was super weird that he didn't wake Becca up and, like, snuck out of the bed naked to, like, go downstairs and, like, to the roommate's calls. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of questionable relationship shenanigans that go on in this episode. But yeah, I would at least put pants on. Depending on the candor of them calling me, I would wake up whoever I was sleeping with. Um, But I mean, if it was just like, oh, come down and see this, then I just put pants on and then go down and come right back up. So he comes, goes downstairs. He's hearing it from the basement. He goes in the basement he gets stuck in the basement. He can't open the door, can't open the door, which let's just acknowledge in an old house like this, like that's very normal. Doors like they can swell and shrink with weather. And this is in Cleveland. So they have pretty intense weather there. So to me, it's not super odd that he got locked in the basement because like stuff like that can happen. But he gets locked. He gets freaked out. Um, he busts out of the basement door. He turns around. And then he does a karate pose like he's going to karate the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, oh, yeah. I I just questioned. Sensei prepared me for this. (laughs) I've watched Cobra Kai. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was really curious if that was the actor's choice or like (laughs) 
the director was like, can you do a little like karate haya to show that like you're kind, you're still tough even though you're scared? <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically like then Jared, you know, they, they pan to real Jared, not Renak and Jared. And he says that, you know, he had a supernatural experience and now he believes what Becca is saying and, and Becca feels really relieved because she feels like she's not going crazy because Jared has now had an experience as well and and basically she's super scared of the basement and now this has reinforced her belief that like something is actually wrong with the basement so even though Jared knows Becca knows Z knows everybody knows that lives in the house um Brandon who is the, another friend wants to move in and they're like, oh, we don't really have a room. And Brand's like, how about the basement? And they all just, like, don't say anything. They're just like, yeah, I guess that's normal for you to move into our weird, creepy old basement. Like, sure, Brandon. He seems way too eager to move into that basement. Yeah, I don't know what was going on at home, but, like, I would not yeah. be moving into some weird old creepy-ass basement. They also do not clarify if the basement was furnished, which in the kind of house that they're describing, it probably is not. Like, that's odd in an old house like that. So he's probably just, like, in, like, when you think of basement, he's probably in that kind of basement. Like, like concrete. concrete cellar. Yeah. 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 So that that whole part is really weird. Like, not only is it weird that they don't tell him that, like, you know, you probably shouldn't move into the basement. Also, didn't they have a whole, like, study with a piano? Why can't he live in there? They don't explain that. Um well, they need it for the piano. <laughs> They're like, you can just, like, why can't you just sleep under the piano? But it's also weird how <laughs> eager, how pushy Brandon is. Like, he, like, like they told him no, and he's like, well, I'll live in the basement. Just let me move in. Yeah, which gets creepier as the story unfolds. Yeah, so he moves in. Becca doesn't say anything. She's clearly, like, a little uncomfortable. He, so he's in his first night in the basement, and we cut to the reenactment, and he's... um. <laughs> Sorry. This is, so he's li- take your time. I understand. <laughs> so he's listening to this like industrial music that like, and he's drumming with drumsticks on his knees, and it's like completely, totally offbeat. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> they probably mixed the sound in later. They to did. Be fair to old they, Brandon, they did. But like the the results, they didn't think it, like, oh, we should pick a song that matches the beat that he's drumming. They just made him look so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then he thinks he sees Becca come downstairs um, and she's in this like slinky little white nighty and she doesn't have her glasses on and she's acting kind of weird and she's like, oh, I thought you would be lonely down here, Brandon. Um, come- <laughs> Your drumming was so good. <laughs> <laughs> come dance with me. And she starts like doing this weird dance and he's just kind of looking at her like, what and then she starts taking her top off and he's like well okay so he like comes over and starts making out with her and my first note is like what the fuck brandon i thought you guys were all a big group of friends aren't you friends with jared like you're just macking on jared's girl like aren't you gonna be like hey becca are you feeling okay like are you on drugs like why are you acting so weird you're just gonna be like well she's acting really weird but like (laughs) gotta take my chance and they cut back to Jared as he's explaining the story, and he just seems totally cool with it. No, I don't think so. I think Jared looks very pissed. I, I couldn't tell. I think, he looked pretty blank to me. I think he looks... Nonplussed at best. I think he looks very grumpy face. Like, his face, in my opinion, 
you could tell that him and Becca had had have had words about this, and this probably still comes up in their marriage. <laughs> like, like he, he like he like low key did not believe that Becca and like Brandon didn't make out, and they probably still fight about that sometimes. And like Becca. Had, like, what if this whole thing was just, like, this big elaborate story to cover up the fact <laughs> that Jared's fucking Z, that's why he got out of bed, and and Becca's fucking Brandon. Like, like what if the real story is that, like, Brandon and Becca were making out, and Jared, like, walked in, and, and, and Brandon was like, it's a ghost! <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, okay. <laughs> totally believe that. But then he was like... Oh, this is perfect. Now I can use the ghost excuse too. <laughs> <laughs> they totally gloss over the fact that like it was not cool that Brandon was like going to like get down with her. Like what? Um, and that he wasn't as a friend. He wasn't alarmed that she was acting that way. Um, so yeah. so that either means that he had a reason to believe that she would act that way. Like something was going on between them. So he, this wasn't strange or he's a total shit bag that would like try to make out with a girl who's like clearly fucked up or clearly like acting strange. Like something's clearly wrong. Both are bad. <laughs> yeah. Brandon's not a good dude. Nope. Um, and also the other thing that's funny is like, so Becca kind of takes back the narrative. We see like Jared's like super pissed face. And then we go back and Becca's like, this was really scary for me. I felt very violated, like trying to like drive home. Like I did not want to make out with Brandon. Um, and then she says, and I started to realize like the mimic, it doesn't just, you know, it can't, it's not just that it can sound like us. It knows how we dress and what we would say. And I was like, wait a minute. So are you saying that you would wear a slinky nighty and ask Brand Brandon to dance with you? Because this, de are you saying this depiction was accurate? That's <laughs> further evidence for your theory, yeah. Yeah, that's more evidence for my theory that like something, something was going on. I really do love the idea that this is just an elaborate ruse by all four people. <laughs> to like, to, to like ignore just this. Just to get out of some minor infidelity. <laughs> And they decide to go on a show over. Yeah, it spun out of control to the point where they ended up on a Netflix special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay, so next action sequence is they're looking at the ceiling at the water stain, her favorite place to look. They're not hooking up this time. They're just going to bed. And her right. and Jared see a face come out of the water stain. Um, mm -hmm. And Jared jumps out of bed naked to go investigate because that's what he does apparently <laughs> whenever something weird happens. Um, it's uh, ghost investigations move faster than clothes. <laughs> so they go upstairs with a black light. Do, why do they have a black light flashlight? I don't know. <laughs> and why did they think that that was going to be useful? I don't know. They just, that's their first thing that they do is they go upstairs with a black light. They're just like, let me grab my black light, just like pull it out. Yeah. And they, let me get it out of the drawer. Yeah. Like not even like, hey, let's go upstairs and see like maybe there's a leak and maybe just like the water's still pooling. Like they don't, they don't go up and turn the lights on and like look around in the light and then decide, hey, something looks weird. Maybe we should get a black light and see. Oh, no, they just. I also have that in my notes that the first time when she's painting over the water stain, she doesn't think for a second. Maybe I should figure out what's making that water stain first. Yeah, no, they don't investigate if there's a leak at all. Even after they see the face, 
they don't go up there with the light on to investigate if there's just actually a leak that's like warping the wall. They just immediately go up with all the lights off with a black light flashlight. Yeah, almost assuming that it's a ghost. <laughs> and I'm really starting to believe your theory now. They're just like, well, clearly we wanted to go upstairs and look for blood. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the only explanation for a water stain. <laughs> so, Step- there could be bodily fluids up there in the attic. Get the get the black light flashlight. So they grab their black light flashlight out of their, uh, I don't know, polyamorous kid of sex toys, I'm guessing. Right. And <laughs> they're like looking around and there's just bodily fluids everywhere and the first which they just assume is blood yes yeah at first i was like they better like get confirmation this is blood because like you can't like this could be just like there was you know a squatter there and they peed up there or something you know that would come up on a black light like any bodily fluid comes up it's not just blood i think right i mean is that that's right right pretty much all of them yeah so when you go into a hotel all the the semen (laughs) lights up like a the sun so there's basically blood everywhere so she she does actually call the landlord and she finds out that the previous tenant shot himself up there and he was there for a few days and the blood pooled and that was resulted in the water stain Couple, right, couple, which the landlord couple. didn't think was appropriate to let them know about. Yeah, a couple of questions. They're like, one, why didn't the landlord fix that? Yeah. Like nobody cleaned this. Well, they left all the furniture in there too, so. Yeah, yeah, but you would think that maybe they would go upstairs and like clean the blood with like bleach or something that sanitizes it that would like remove it from the blacklight being able to see it and then also maybe fix the water stain <laughs> that is actually a blood stain you know it's one thing it would have been funny if it was just like the world's worst limit. the body was still up there <laughs> he, was like, oh. he just came in realized that he was dead and was like oh now i gotta get another tenant i'll get around to it yeah this landlord like fucking kind of sucks like okay i kind of get a landlord not telling you about a crime happening or not a crime but like a tragedy happening in your apartment they're not required to disclose that to you i don't think in like in a case where like you're renting it not buying and i can see leaving a piano pianos are really hard to move they're really hard to dispose of they're really hard to donate but there's no explanation for leaving a giant blood stain on a ceiling that's just some slumlord shit (laughs) yeah um also they do a little flash or like a kind of speculative flashback. Rebecca's talking about how this person must have also been haunted by the mimic and how she could see how the mimic could drive someone to do that if they didn't have anyone to confide and if they were living there alone. And they show, I get, you know, this previous tenant, like a reenactment of him in the, in the attic with a gun trying to shoot the ghost and then he ends up killing himself. And then they show like a dead body with a gun uh so a couple of thoughts here one is we get another shooting a ghost that is a reoccurring thing in haunted shooting a ghost is a normal thing that people try to do and the other thing was i thought that that was like really just kind of unnecessary and like insensitive like you don't need to show like a like a dead body that like committed suicide like you told the story. We get the idea. Like, why did they have to show that? I just thought that, like, that was kind of a really... Like, this show does a lot of things that are in bad taste, but that was the one thing in this episode that I was like, that's that's in bad taste. Like, come on. Yeah, it does seem like it would be more tasteful to leave that up 
to the interpretation that's very easy to make yeah. rather than assume that somebody's real life family member was trying to kill the mimic ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when actually they were just tormented to the point of suicide by something, ghost or not. So getting to kind of towards the end, the next thing I have to talk about is um, where I think they spent all of their budget, which is on mm. the spooky Halloween monster. Um, but do you have anything before that that you want to chat about? Uh, no, I, I've gotten through all my notes. Okay. So Becca's taking a shower and she gets out of the shower and she's like in a towel. She doesn't have her glasses on. She, of course, has her seashell necklace on because she never takes that off. And she gets out of the bathroom um, and she sees crawling towards her a giant gelatinous, tentacly, humanoid, bloody spooky halloween monster that we're supposed to understand yeah. is the mimic this thing looks straight like something out of um labyrinth uh it's actually like for this show is like pretty impressive like as far as like what they normally do with like cgi and stuff like it does look pretty good um but it's just yeah i really liked it yeah it's like i was like they must have spent their whole budget on this um, because it kind of looks, I mean, I don't know that much about CGI, but it looks like they had an, some actual like special effects maybe mixed with CGI. Like it wasn't just completely put in there with a computer. Um, oh yeah. They, they digitized those faces onto it, obviously. Yeah. But it looked, those look really bad. <laughs> yeah. But it looked really good. Um, but it was a like totally strange, like just out of the blue, like it, it was a kind of like off topic like we've never seen the mimic before like it's more been like spooky things happen or whatever but like it's like like they didn't really mention that it's a giant monster like that was just kind of odd like I thought it was a ghost or like a demon all of a sudden it's like a weird giant monster like a mass of flesh is like crawling towards her like <laughs> I actually am very proud of the fact that I think I figured this one out okay um the monster is uh, vascular and has a lot of arteries, mm -hmm. which is a callback to the narrator's heart issues. Mm. So it was manifesting itself as kind of a heart monster. Oh. You well, look at you giving the show some credit. Hey, I got a I got a dime or two to give these guys. <laughs> I um yeah, so I don't think that the monster is appropriate or makes sense in the story, but I do think they did a really good job on it. It looks cool. Um, yeah, even if I'm right and they had that actual callback to heart issues, uh, it's still, why Why now? <laughs> She's not wearing the heart monitor uh, and it doesn't make any sense. So then she, she locks herself in the bathroom and pretty much immediately Jared breaks down the door and is like, it's me, it's me. Um, so one of my theories about this scene is that she she didn't have her glasses on when she was when she saw this thing. So like maybe it was just like Jared doing something weird, <laughs> just crawling around. On the... <laughs> <laughs> he just got done having sex with Z and now he's all exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was my my theory. Um. 
Also, if you if you were haunted by a ghost that could like notably mimic other people's personalities and appearances, running in and screaming it's me, it's me and shaking the person wouldn't be that comforting. <laughs> I have no idea why she believes it. <laughs> She's actually married to the mimic. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um so we uh so she kind of ends the story with saying that um, you know, this happened and, and they show her and Jared like running out of the house and she says, I never would go back in that house again. And then we end, we, all, we all ended up moving out. And I was like, well, yeah, because you bailed on the lease. Like, <laughs> you like yeah. totally screwed your roommates over. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but we get a kind of this ending that's just like this kind of almost like unsolved mysteries little bit spooky like you know she's fine and she has a happy normal life but she you know she just poses this question is the mimic tormenting someone new that's living there is the mimic tormenting these the the new renters um that live in that place and i really liked that ending i think it was a nice combination of kind of having a happy ending but posing like a little spooky question yeah, it's better than the mimic haunting her still forever. Yeah, it's much better than last season's theme of and I and it will never end. It's, it's right behind you right now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I liked that. I'll give them credit for that. That was like a good mix of like ending it in a kind of uplifting way, but also having a little bit of spookiness to end it to end it off. I also really appreciate that this is a ghost story with a ghost and mm-hmm. They don't super exploit anybody's trauma. So yeah, no, it's just a bunch of yuppies that move into a, a haunted mansion. Yeah, and you can easy, you don't even have to feel bad about making fun of them. Yeah, I don't actually feel bad at all. So I really enjoyed this one. I thought this this is the kind of tone that like I think that if all the episodes were like this, uh, it would be a totally it would different be a lot show. More fun. It would be a lot more yeah. fun, and I would have a lot less complaints about the show. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So episode two, Word of Evil. Um, do you want to give the, the summary? Yes. Uh, this is told by uh, a nurse in, I, I, I don't want to say a dementia ward. It seems more like a, an old folks home that, that specializes in patients with dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get one resident there uh who's named miss jackie i believe Mm -hmm. and she doesn't seem to have dementia at all until she starts uh showing signs of demonic possession and that gets progressively worse uh up until her death and then everybody who remains in that room uh goes to some terrible fate so my first note is the name of this facility that Don works at is called Cottages of Gentle Breeze. <laughs> and I just thought that's pretty good. That's a pretty normal name for an old folks home like that. That's so weird. They're all they're all some kind of they want to make you feel good about going there. But I do have one note before any of this. Oh. Uh her kind of origin story that they do every episode. Yeah. Uh, where they show her on her parents' farm mm-hmm. nursing rats back to health. <laughs> and I I love little critters. Um, but if I was a farmer, I would be so pissed.
pissed <laughs> if my daughter was nursing all of the rats that I was trying to kill back to health. <laughs> They're not good on farms. Good point. That's all I have about that, though. Good point. <laughs> so, they, so Jackie gets dumped here by her daughter, and she's pissed. And they show this happening, and the daughter seems like really sketchy about it yeah yeah like they don't they don't want to take her like they're like um she doesn't have dementia like we don't think this is an appropriate fit and her daughter's like no she needs help and also bye (laughs) i'm not gonna walk her to a room or anything (laughs) somebody's taking her i'm not (laughs) just drives off and she looks in this um in the reenactment like jackie the patient she looks to be maybe 60 65 like she's not that old a little young for dementia, yeah. Um, yeah, and like young to be dropped off at a place probably filled with like 80, 90-year-old people. Um, yeah, can probably still hold down a job and live on her own. Uh, so they basically just say like she's pissed. And then the first spooky thing that happens is every time they would go in her room, it would be like really super cold. And my theory about this one... so I. I have theories about each of each of these things. So my first theory was that that they're all like, okay. you know, sleeping together and trying to cover up. My theory about this is that this is actually a story about how this uh, care facility totally mismanaged the health of a patient, leading to her death. Um, oh, that's not even it. That's demon- <laughs> demonstrable throughout. Yeah, but the first thing that happens is the room is really cold, and they say that this is like a ghost thing. Um, but the nurse is concerned enough that she tells the owner and the owner doesn't do anything about it and just says, oh, you're just imagining it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. You're imagining the frost on the, on the painting. Yeah, the, you're being able to see your breath. And I was just like, okay, so this is like sign one of something that is clearly like building mismanagement, like mistreatment of the patients. And they're just like kind of being like, it's unexplainable. It's like, uh, you know, no, it's pretty explainable. Like you're in uh, New York, it gets cold there. And like the heat's broken in this room. Yeah, it it makes sense. (laughs) Doesn't have to be Satan. Yeah. Then we get some evil voice and growling stuff. Um, Jackie starts, you know, talking in a different voice and the nurses start getting scared then we get that the g she they have this picture of jesus in the room and it keeps falling down like they can't keep it on the wall and it gets to the point where i don't know why like they don't just take the picture out when it falls and breaks the first time but apparently this is like a point of contention for the nurses they just keep trying to put it back up and they actually call the owner and they tell the owner about it for some reason and the owner's like fine i'll come down and i'll put the the painting up and she can't put it up. It keeps falling down. <laughs> He's the son of God. He's kind of important. <laughs> I have my note about that is that demons, this is a reoccurring thing with demons generally. Yeah. Is they'll just like fuck with anything that's got Jesus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, And I guess they think it's cool to diss Jesus. But like. Demons didn't kill Jesus. Mm-mm. We killed Jesus. Yeah. So, like, for all the power that they think they have over Jesus, we've demonstrated we have infinitely more power. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's supposed to be, like, a just a, like, you know, 
spooky like you know this is something that people turn to to try to protect themselves from like it like when you're scared you pray or like you turn you kind of turn to spirituality to protect yourself from like uh, dangerous things that are kind of beyond this world so it's kind of being like you know like I think they even have this line it might even be from the exorcist but I could be wrong like this line that like your god can't help you now like that kind of stuff where it's like it's supposed to be like there's nothing that you can do um like praying is like you know not gonna work so it, it seems like demons in like the lore of of horror movies are, are they're pretty snarky <laughs> like they're just yeah. doing it to fuck with the humans that think praying might help <laughs> yeah i think there's there's a, a thought among religious people maybe that i just don't have that jesus is supposed to protect them mm-hmm. but jesus wasn't great at protecting stuff uh in fact, if I was alive in Jesus's time, I would have outlived him. So maybe it's just me. It's, I'm not a religious person. Um, yeah. But that's my little jab at demons generally. Come at me, demons. So the next, <laughs> the next spooky thing that happens is like the nurse, like Dawn is in the room and she, and Jackie's like, shh. And, and Dawn's like, what? And she's like, don't wake him you'll regret it and jackie's like totally or sorry don is like totally quiet and then don's like are are you okay and jackie goes i'm talking to my friend and i was just like i thought he was sleeping like are you talking to him or is he sleeping (laughs) like this is not adding up to demon this just sounds like a you know someone who has lost connection with reality (laughs) Yes, like a dementia patient, Mm -hmm. which is why at this point I wrote down my notes like, it seems like she does have dementia. Yeah. And they just didn't realize at first. Yeah. Like maybe there's just like like a masonry wall there and it's just like hard to hang stuff up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then they say the next spooky thing that happens is she won't eat, she won't drink, and she won't urinate. And she, it's been weeks since she's done weeks. these things. And she should not be alive. And they present yes. this as, this is a spooky ghost thing that happened. And my note is, I'm sorry, does a doc, does any doctor work here? Like, what? Yeah. Why is she not on a feeding tube? Why would they just be like, yeah, Kay. she just wouldn't eat. And we just allowed that to continue. For weeks. We didn't put a catheter in her. We didn't give her a feeding tube. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. How the fuck? So this is not... Even one of my longtime things, whenever I, I hear ghost stories, is, like, I would I would call a scientist. Like, this woman is defying physics. Can somebody look at this? Anybody? Yeah. And the one person they call is a fucking priest. Yeah, well, I mean, my note was kind of more like, why do they just say this like it's a normal thing? Like, clearly, she needed, like, more... Like, she should be at the hospital. Why is there no doctor? And also, where the fuck is the daughter? Did the daughter just completely peace out? Like, did anyone call the daughter? And they're like, hey, your mom, who, when you brought her in, was, like, totally fucking normal and did not have dementia, now is, like, won't eat, drink, or pee has taken a turn for the worse very quickly it's not our fault it's not because we've had her in an ice cold room and been yeah. obsessed with fucking nailing nails in her wall to put this fucking jesus picture up 
kept her up all day trying to put up one painting. They also make it seem like this hospital, like everything in the hospital is very old, or not the hospital, but in the in the facility is very old timey. Like there's no plastic. Everything is like metal and porcelain. And they, they, they make it look like this is like a 50s hospital. But this is, these women are like maybe, maybe in their 50s, maybe early 60s, like, you know, this story probably happened 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. Like, they freaking had plastic. Like, that's not what a facility would have looked like. Like, it wouldn't have been, like, that. Like, you know, so they that was another, like, kind of producer's choice. I was like, they, they just did it to make it spooky. And it's so, you know, unbelievable and unrealistic. Like, she wouldn't be in a bed like that, like, with a metal spooky bed. Like, she'd be in a, a hospital bed that kind of goes up and down with an electric thing. She They would have her on an IV, probably, if she wasn't eating or drinking. Like, they would have all that stuff. Like, this was, like, what maybe happened in, like, the 90s? Like, how many, maybe the 80s? Like, how young were these women? Like, they, they don't look that old. Yeah, or this is a real budget home to put people in. Yeah. Which seems likely. The further you get into the story. Mm. So are you ready to talk about the crucifix? Or do you have anything else before that? Uh, the rosary. No. <laughs> well, I did have a note that the actress looks like she's having a lot of fun. <laughs> which I just thought was a really fun thing to call out. It's nice when you get these people who are playing, like, it, I, I don't want to call a dementia patient crazy, but... When she, it looks like she's having fun, that's all I have to say. You're about right. That. The actress that does Jackie is like phenomenal in this, like yeah. especially for like a TV reenactment. Like, yeah, you're right. Like she she sells it. Stellar work. She sells it. Yeah. Um. Don is so freaked out by the the fact that this woman's dying and I guess they're slowly killing her. That's going to be my assessment, but apparently she's freaked out by the ghosts or the demons or the feeling in the room. So she starts wearing her mom's crucifix, which is a comically large rosary around her neck. Now she doesn't say, say that, but in the reenactment, it's like just this giant wooden rosary and Jackie grabs it off her and uh, she, like, you know, Dawn runs out of the room or whatever. And when she comes back later, Jackie has shoved the crucifix into her anus. And she's, like, laughing about it. Yeah, she seems really thrilled with herself. <laughs> yeah, and they're so horrified. Like, oh, my God. Um, and then they remove it, and it's covered in blood. I don't know if you yeah, saw that. Yeah, they didn't need the shot where they put it in the little tray and just its blood is spraying everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> didn't need that. There was a couple elements about this that were confusing to me. Like, one, they had the necklace be comically large. And it, I don't know, like, most of the time a, a rosary would be much, much smaller than that. Or, like, a crucifix. It would just, it was comically large for the reenactment. And then the blood, like... It didn't sound to me in her story like it was that graphic of a thing that happened. Like it sounded to me like she maybe pulled off like a small, like a small, ro- you know, crucifix necklace, and then she like put it in her butt and like just to like freak them out or whatever. But like not that it was like she like, you know, like did anal trauma to herself. Like that's not what the yeah. storyteller was saying. It's but that's what they showed for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, it sound when she was describing it, I imagined just like a little like necklace yeah. with a little 
crucifix charm on it, mm-hmm. but they made it seem like it was like a, a crucifix you'd hold in like your hand. And I just think they misunderstood the logistics of inserting a crucifix into your your butt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that they know how butts work, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. So after this happens, the owner finally decides, all right, we're going to actually do something. And it's not take her to the hospital. It's not call in some, you know, specialists to take a look at her. It's uh, bring in some people that do exorcisms from Ohio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Reasonable. <laughs> um, so they do the exorcism. They come out and they tell Don there was evil in there. That's it. That's all they tell her. Then they leave. But then anyway, so she goes in to see if Jackie's okay after the exorcism. And Jackie starts floating. And she's all like creepy ghost, like crinkly. And like as she sits up, it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love the little like spine crinkling noises. Yeah, it's like like one of those like really old beach chairs. And you're trying to like get the back. (laughs) 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 And she yells, get out, and then dies. So... They totally gloss over, like, that they fucking killed this lady. Like, she was, came in totally fine, did not have dementia, was not sick, was, like, much younger than all the other people there. And in her time there, she's been put in an ice-cold room, like, has interacted with very few people because the nurses are all afraid of her, stops eating, drinking, and going to the bathroom, and they don't get her any specialized medical attention. And then after whatever, they bring in fucking strangers to do an exorcism on her, and then whatever they did to her, killed her. Uh, and then I, I guess the daughter's just totally pieced out because, like, nobody does anything about it. They just move on in the story. Like, they're just like, okay. And then uh, two other patients died in that room, and the last one, as she was dying, said... I told you so. Beverly, the last like person that died in the room, said, I told you there was something wrong in, in this room. I told you so. Um, yeah, the thermostat's fucked up. Yeah, no, like, they... they I have pneumonia. Yeah, they told... <laughs> exactly. Like, they're just like, yeah, the room was, like, haunted, or there was demons in there, so the people kept dying. I'm like, yeah, or, like, yeah, the thermostat's been fucked up, and these people are just getting sicker because yeah. they're fucking freezing to death. <laughs> Her last words were, how are you people this incompetent? It must have been the demon. And then finally, um, it closes. And then they end it um, with the kind of a same, same sentiment, which is just that it reopened. And Dawn is wondering if, if that thing is still in that room. So yeah, it's the classic. It's not over. Yeah, like Dawn said, like they kind of have a little resolution where the owner boarded up that room and it operated for several years, and then it finally closed, and that was like a little resolution on that chapter. And then they kind of do the, but it reopened recently, so I wonder if that thing's still in there. So not a totally like you know Dawn. This one's a little darker than the first one because Dawn is clearly upset. She's she's clearly tormented by what happened and. I'm going to go with tormented by the fact that like this woman died on her watch and like her and the other and her and the facility have like some accountability for that. Um, right. They didn't murder these women, but they did contribute to the death of several women. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it ends on a little bit of a darker note, but it's not that like and it'll never end for me and the ghost is following me forever. It's kind of like, again, like 
that building is haunted and I, you know, like, how about this little spooky question of is it still going on? Just sort of like with the mimic. Um, So that's where we end. Um, I just want to, one thing that I could not stop thinking about throughout this entire episode. mm -hmm. And let me set, let me set the, uh, the mood for you. Imagine your mom shows signs of dementia Mm -hmm. and then you go and you're like, oh, I heard about this good uh, facility where people with dementia can go and live out their final days and be taken care of. And you walk into this place and there's a woman growling and shoving things into her butt and all the staff are bleeding and screaming and running around (laughs) oh yeah i left that out that she kept biting them and everyone's just bleeding or that the ghost kept like scratching them and biting them i totally didn't write anything about that (laughs) how did they get any business (laughs) it seemed like everyone was injured and dying including the staff well that's why they closed i guess (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and they also have, That's like... That's all I have to say. Maybe, the, like, the reenactment, it wasn't a producer's choice. Like, maybe all their equipment just was that outdated. Like, maybe, like... Yeah. Maybe, like, it did take place in the 90s, but they just still were using equipment from, like, the 50s. That's what I was saying. That that checks out. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, with the all the mismanagement that happens in this episode, yeah, maybe, like, nobody decided to, like, order some bags of saline. <laughs> Oh, what a trip. Not as much of a trip as we're about to go on. Ooh. So we've been talking about how much we didn't want to watch this episode for the last two podcasts. This is episode three, The Cult of Torture. And James, uh, they kind of do this little thing at the beginning of each episode where they have the person introduce, the storyteller introduce themselves and give like a one sentence summary. And I think James's summary tells it all. James says, I grew up in a cult and I was tortured. That, yeah. That's what the story's about. Um, there are no ghosts. <laughs> Spoiler alert. There's a brief, there's a, a demon briefly, <laughs> but it could have just been a hallucination. Yeah. So basically, uh, James's story is that he had a pretty normal childhood until his mom uh, heard Herbert Armstrong's The World of Tomorrow uh, broadcast um, promoting the Worldwide Church of God. And she connected with this message and she decided that she wanted to move the family to a location where they could join the Worldwide Church of God. And James describes the church um, having a being a lot about demons, like how kind of the message of the church is that there's demons among us and you have to constantly be on guard. And anything that you do wrong is because you have opened yourself up to a demon. So like if you lie, you have a lying demon. Um, If you're overweight, you have a gluttonous demon. And it's your fault because you opened yourself up to these demons and allowed them to to possess you. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically they get more and more involved with this church. He starts witnessing some pretty odd things and when he's six years old uh the pastor tells his mom that he's possessed by a gay demon and that they have to start 
doing things to to get him unpossessed and a series of terrible horrifying things happen to him because of this um and we can maybe we can maybe like talk through talk through that more if, if we want um but that's that's basically what happens in the story he ends up um getting kicked out of his house afterwards and moving to nola living happily ever after um kind of except for all the trauma uh but yeah, yeah but let's uh, let's wind rewind um so let's go back to the beginning where we where we start learning about the worldwide church of god best name ever yeah <laughs> Ugh, I've seen better names. I'm joking. It's terrible. It's so bad. Yeah, it, it's a pretty blah name. And um, the promotional videos that they show are pretty interesting. First off, props to the production team for getting the promotional videos. Um, I really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, they got these like really like 70s, uh, per- you know, looking promotional promotional videos they put in, and they show you a little bit of the broadcast, and they actually have. I, I think it's the real audio um, of the broadcast kind of playing throughout the episode to kind of, you know, cement that the the pervasiveness uh, of the of Armstrong's kind of message, and, yeah. and that everything that's happening to him is because of this. Um, it did seem authentic, which is refreshing because they don't usually reference any real evidence at all. But this is a well documented uh, event and cult so yeah well anyway so let's rewind to the to the story so we got to them joining the cult and moving to this new town Uh, yeah i guess i'm just questioning like do we actually want to talk about everything that happens in this episode i mean should we just say like hey trigger warning child abuse incest rape right if you have a (laughs) single trigger get out now it's so bad um it's hard to watch and it's hard to hear about. Um, so, and I don't even know how we're going to make jokes about this, to be completely honest. Like, uh, uh, how are we going to make this well, funny? Um, <laughs> because it's so not. Well, we can try and then we can just cut it out if we get too bad. Um, so the first strain. So basically he says, even as a six-year-old child, he starts to notice when his parents join this church that things are weird. So the first thing that happens is they move into a house and the pastor comes over to bless the house to make sure there's no demons in the house. And the pastor gets... Which is protocol, apparently. <laughs> apparently normal. He does this every yeah. every time. I'm sure they had to pay for it. That's part of what I read about was that there was like this whole payment structure thing to this church. That makes sense. Um, and he hears the children playing and he gets pissed off and he yells at them and the one brother doesn't come inside because he's like who the fuck is this guy um so the the pastor goes over and starts spanking him and the narrator uh james is like super disturbed by this because um it's implied that maybe they had never been spanked before um he doesn't say that but it but he focuses on that this is a stranger and his mom is just standing there letting a stranger hit his brother and he also mentions that his brother had like a learning disability like he was kind of like like he implies that it wasn't just that the kid was being bad like there might be a reason why he didn't quite like listen to the instructions like he you know he's a little delayed 
Um, so that was another yeah. disturbing element too, was that, you know, the, he was beating the brother for not listening, but there, you know, maybe it was harder for the brother to follow instructions. And then he mentions, you know, some of the other weird things that even as a six year old, like he says that they weren't allowed to eat pork or shellfish, um, because of demons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I did write down, it does say in the Bible you're not supposed to eat pork or shellfish. Doesn't say it's because a demon. I mean, because that's like also a kosher thing. I mean, there's lots of theories around why that's that's a rule, but... But definitely uh, not demons. Yeah, demon is not among the theories, no. Um, he also says that they can't, um, you know, go to the library, read comic books, or watch TV except for the broadcasts that are related to the church. Um, and that every sermon is totally, completely about demons. Like, every time they go to church, it's just, like, all about demons. <laughs> and nobody's worried at all. Nope. Um, well, I guess they're kind of worried about demons. They think that the end times are coming. Yeah, basically, because of the demons. everyone around him is acting like this is normal, and the six-year-old is the only one that's like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? what? Um, and then... He witnesses a, a man, uh, a man's like cursing out the church and he gets beat up by other congregation members and then he disappears for several weeks and comes back all brainwashed and is all like apologizes to the church and he comes back and he's all like, I'm fine now. Um, and he notes I did, that as a weird I did thing. love that scene because... Um, they're talking about how you have to like spiritually defeat the demons yeah. and then the one guy pops up and they're like he's got a demon kick the shit out of him <laughs> and they just knock him on the ground and start kicking him i was like that that's how you spiritually defeat the demons by just beating them <laughs> yeah up. um this is uh, the demons are weak as hell you could just push them on the ground and kick them Well, apparently, I mean, so the implication here is they did something to this guy um, in those weeks um, that he was gone. And that even as a six-year-old boy, he noticed that this was odd, that, um, that the guy came back. Um, and also that part of their Sunday service was him getting <laughs> beaten in front of the whole congregation. <laughs> Nobody yeah. else was concerned. Um, this guy's family <laughs> wasn't there, apparently, or just was not going to do anything. <laughs> Um, didn't have any friends yeah so then uh the next thing that happens um that is you know odd i guess um or that just the next thing that james talks about is that when he was six years old the pastor pulls his mom aside and says your son is possessed by a gay demon and that the reason why he's saying this is because he had some feminine characteristics and that james was so young i mean he's only six years old that he didn't even know what it meant to be gay but he knew that he was in trouble because the way that the religion worked was that if you had a demon it's because you opened your mind to a demon so you were in trouble uh so his punishment for this was he was isolated for weeks in his room at a time um, he would be denied food and water for sometimes 24 to 36 hour periods and they kind of imply that he was pretty isolated um until age 15. Um, so I'm just going to pause here because then it starts, it starts getting more grim after this, but I just want to say the mom is just like, oh yeah, totally gay demon and my son, like yeah. I'll just lock him in his room forever. Like, sure, sure, sure. Like 
no question whatsoever. The da- everybody's going along with it. Like everyone's just like, oh yeah, gay demon. That makes sense. Gay demons. I've heard of those. <laughs> like they have not been in this religion that long. Like they've been in the religion like a year and they're like, yeah, we'll lock our son up because of gay demons. And to think that a six-year-old is gay because he's too effeminate is pretty close-minded even for the time. Yeah, I mean, he's not gone through puberty as a child. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really like baffling that the parents who were previously not religious, like got so indoctrinated so fast that they go along with this. Um, yeah, it, it's like if you have to be smoking Marlboros and chopping down trees by the time you're five or else gay demon, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they imply that he was pretty isolated um, until age 15. Um, and then his mom, for because of God, decides to start molesting him to turn him straight because she believes that if she can make him get excited that she he won't be gay anymore and that will banish the demon. Unclear if this yes. was like the pat like the church told her to do this or if she's just gone completely off the loony end and has taken things into her own hands. Yeah, and I want to stress completely off the loony end because I looked it up. Uh, man shall not lie with another man. Famous Leviticus, mm-hmm. 1822. Don't have sex with your mom is 187. <laughs> it comes before <laughs> the gay thing. Thank you. Thank you. She's not even following her own rules right now. No, yeah. It's like, I mean, there's clearly like everything that happens in here has nothing to do with with Christianity. It's like, it's, 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 it's psychotic. I mean, it's just, it's so upsetting. Well, they do say earlier, uh, who I've dubbed the Oh My God woman in the, the peanut gallery for this episode. <laughs> her name's um janine i wrote i actually went back because she i was like is she actually his friend or did they just cast her to have someone go like do all the faces so i actually rewound it to see who she was and she is his friend janine is like his friend they she's not just like a plant but she seemed they just kept cutting to her going oh my god oh my god and i was like did they just plant her in there to like react to how horrifying this (laughs) this is yeah i mean she's saying what we're all thinking yeah but nobody but else she is does, talking just her yeah she does interject at one point and she says uh i have it in my note she's like it doesn't say anywhere in the bible that there, you can't be gay and i'm like it does to be fair no i like, think what it, she says it, it's after that she's they say that they're gonna lock him up in the right, room yeah. she says where does it say to do that in the bible and he's like it doesn't yeah, it doesn't say that specifically. It does say to be real fucking dicks to gay people, which is not great. Yeah. But, I mean, let's call a spade what it is. Yeah. Christianity doesn't love gay people. Yeah, I don't know if she should. that should be the focus of her argument. Like, maybe, like, Christianity's wrong about gay people. Right. <laughs> what if it did say to do that to gay people? Would that make it better? Like, um, So, after this horrifying idea or ordeal with his mom... Which is, it's really, I mean, not only is it horrifying that it happened to him, but he says that he still feels ashamed about it and he's still working it out in, in therapy, um, which is just so sad. Um, 
I could imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's some heavy shit. Um, so then they tell him that he's going to go to camp, and he says he's so excited because he thought they were going to send him to summer camp, and boy, was he fucking wrong. <laughs> you poor, pure soul. Um, so they come and they get him in his pajamas, and he just gets up, and he's like, like, he just wakes up, his pastor's there, and they're like, all right, come with us, and he's like, yeah, this is normal just to walk out of my house in my pajamas with no shoes to go to camp. I mean, I guess he's yeah. been locked in his room for the last several years, so maybe he doesn't like even know what camp really is supposed to be. And they put a hood over him, his head. Seems unnecessary. And but... they, they put okay. him in the car, and he's so scared, and he's like, what are you going to do to me? And the lady just goes, there's like a lady in the car, and she's like, you just don't need to know where you're going. Um Yeah terrifying like he's basically being kidnapped um so then he they take him to this camp he's hose hosed down and deloused can i just say about the kidnapping note they don't need to kidnap him yeah. they have permission from the parents yeah they can just take him why why did they dramatically kidnap him i mean i guess just to scare him or to make it hard for him to run away i mean yeah it seems like his parents were you know sending him off so that makes more sense if they're worried about him running away and from what i know about the the court cases and the the suits and allegations that was a realistic thing that they would be worried about yeah so that so they take him to the new bethany home for boys which it sounds like you've done a little research on this place a little bit not a ton all that i could see is that there was more than one and that there was also a home for girls um as well that's yeah. all that i found about it I, I couldn't get a straight answer on that in the little bit of research that i did mm -hmm. it seemed like they were both the same thing uh -huh. and then it just transitioned to being just for girls at the end of days oh okay um i did see uh it is currently uh i have the site right here it's on great nonprofits with a 1.7 <laughs> star rating <laughs> the rating is like these people beat up my son it, yeah pretty much <laughs> it's mostly people who have gone there and they're like how how the fuck is this even listed on here um there's two five star ratings uh one of them doesn't seem genuine um and the other one seems just confused <laughs> the confused one is great it says I was in New Bethany, Arcadia, Louisiana, self-paced education and brainwashing from 89 to 94. How do I get my transcript from there now? Is there a place to get transcripts? Help. Five stars. Four people found this review helpful. What? Oh, I hope they're okay, whoever that person is. They said that they were brainwashed, and they're like, yeah, but I'm really just worried about my transcripts right now. I'm going to have trouble getting into another school. Oh, my God. Oh. <sighs> okay, I needed that. That's a little, that's a little pick you up. <laughs> I needed that before this next part. Um, so they, they hose him down, they delouse him, they take him to this room with this guy who intimidates him and says that he's not going to survive this and um they take him to a room they put him in a cage there's a bunch of other boys in cages and they're fed dog food or bovine food they're given a coffee can to use as a toilet um 
one of the first things that he, he and he, they're told not to talk and one of the first things that he does is he asks the boy next to him if he's okay and he gets beaten up with a with a like a hardbound bible for that and then the rest of this is just kind of he goes through some of the torture that he endures there so he he's beaten with the bible he's chained standing in december for like a two-day period um he's electrocuted while he basically becomes enters a clockwork orange like he's electrocuted about like looking at pictures of gay people like it reminded me of that scene in a clockwork orange where like they make him open his eyes in the theater the ludovico technique yeah um and then they we kind of get to the to the worst the worst thing which is that they tie him uh they chain him to a table and they rape him and while he this is the only supernatural thing that we get in this whole uh episode is while they're raping him he he sees he he sees a demon um and he says that he believes that the demon was not his gay demon because at this point he's saying that he does kind of believe all this i mean i guess he's you know been indoctrinated but he believed that it was a demon a different demon there to show him that he'd never get free um yeah it's so disturbing like having the person that all these things has happened to describe them to you sorry let's just finish up the episode so he he hallucinates some butterflies he gets out of there after 17 weeks his dad tells him that the camp reported that james didn't even try so basically that it didn't work james is still gay um so his dad kicks him out of the house um and then he moves to he like has his first gay experience he finds out he's gay moves to nola to live his life um, and it's a nice ending with the sun coming through the window and some more butterflies. Lots of butterflies. Butterflies are like the ongoing theme in this. They like represent hope for him. Um, but yeah, I thought they were going to go for like a metamorphosis kind of thing. Um, it does. I love the ending because he decides to move to New Orleans and vows to be very gay. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if I'm going to be gay, I'm going to be gay. I'm going to be the gayest. <laughs> That is a nice a nice ending, but yeah, I like that they ended on that note. Um, this one, I mean, this episode has stuck out to us since we even started talking about covering this series because it's so does not make sense that it is in the show. It's tragic and horrifying and probably one of the scariest ones. Um but not because of ghosts. There's almost no ghosts in it, uh, except for that one demon hallucinating hallucination. It's absolutely horrifying and graphic, and they don't have any kind of like disclaimer that this. I mean, two episodes ago, we're like, and we're living in a haunted house, and now this story, like you know, it's like there's no disclaimer. They don't set you up emotionally at all for this. It's extremely disturbing it's the whole thing is just about a you know a crime and all his trauma and yeah i don't like it when this show in has episodes that are just about a true crime incident and they don't give you any resolution so we have this little bit of resolution where he says 
the boys' room home was raided um, and the church disbanded, and that's all we get. But it's like, I want some more information, like, you know, like kind of just like, oh, okay, they were raided, but like, did they get convicted? Like, did boys die at this home? Were there other centers? Like, did the church face consequences? Like, I, I want to know what happened. And I think the show, not only is it irresponsible for the show to have an episode like this with no warning, it's irresponsible for them to not give us some more information about this because I feel like the point of James telling his story is not to talk about a spooky thing or talk about a scary thing. It's to spread awareness about like about hate crimes and about how difficult it is to be gay in this country and how especially difficult it was several years ago. And, you know, to remind people that, you know, there's people alive now that have been subject to this kind of torture and prejudice for their sexuality and that, you know, conversion camps still exist. People are still sent to conversion programs where they're emotionally tortured. And I think, you know, spreading awareness of that is important for activism for the queer community and like having a you know resources for people that are victims to that but this show does not acknowledge any of this and you know James is a lovely person he's you know he's sharing this very personal story with us but the show doesn't do anything to contextualize it to like give give his story the meaning that it should have by having it on a show called haunted having it surrounded by episodes that are just about spooky halloween monsters it and not giving any attention and detail to like how this story is different and why they are telling us this story and even though it's very different than what they normally show and you know any kind of follow-up about like why it's important and why they made these choices like it just seems irresponsible and it it makes me so uncomfortable that they they didn't do that, that they didn't frame James's story to make it clear to us that this is not a spooky haunting, that this is, we're, you know, we're doing a true crime episode about, like, how horrifying humanity can be because we think it's important to kind of keep in mind or something. Like, it's just like, why is this in here? Like, it's just, it's like, it's like yeah. they're treating this as if this is the same as living in a haunted house. And it's not. Uh, you know? You and I both love true crime stuff. I love true crime. Um, I And it, I would have loved if this was just its own investigative documentary or something. It just seems incredibly ingenuine to put it that this kind of story in this fucking goosebumps knockoff. Yeah, no, if there was a like new Bethany Homes for Boys documentary and James's story was on here and everything was the same, like the reenactment, everything they did was the same, I would, you know, in, not enjoy it, but like I would watch that and be, you know, feel sympathy and, you know, be interested in it. Like I watch a lot of true crime. I like true crime. I like knowing about these things. I don't know why. I have theories about it other than that something's just wrong with me. I mean, my theory is that, you know, it can make you feel safer to know, to, to know about true crime and to know about ways to protect yourself. Um, yeah. And also, like, if you are a victim of crime, you can feel solidarity with people 
um, that are telling their story, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, in this case, there's a really important reason why James, I think, is telling his story, which is to, to let this generation know about what, you know, about what many people, many gay people had to suffer through. And I think that's great. But yeah, you're, you know, we're both on the same page with that. It, it, it's totally inappropriate that it's on this show. It was totally irresponsible of the producers to put it on the show without any kind of contextualization. And I feel like they're just treating it like it's the same thing as a haunted house. Like it's the same thing as a spooky possession. Like this is not that. This is real. This happened to him. This is not speculation. This is not a spooky story to tell around the fire. This is someone's real pain and suffering and it should not be on a show called Haunted. Yeah, it was very surreal to marathon these three episodes in an hour and a half and go from kind of a goofy uh, artery monster that mimics people uh, to this (laughs) within an hour. uh, Just kind of weird juxtaposition there. Yeah, I mean, not only does it do a disservice to the story, but I feel like it's really unfair to the viewers because if I'm going to watch, you know, if I'm like gearing up to watch a documentary where I know there there's sex crimes in it, when I know that there's murder and abuse in it, like I'm mentally prepared. Like I'm going into it like, yeah, I'm going to feel real bad. You know, like I'm ready. I got <laughs> yeah. like my chocolate. I'm like ready to be sad. But this is like a spooky Halloween show. So I'm not going into this episode ready for that. So you're like, you can't unsee this. They could be doing real damage to people is what I'm saying. Like, I'm just disgusted. I'm disgusted at how irresponsible it was. I I think James is lovely. I want. I wish they put an address at the end where you could send James a letter or something because I want to <laughs> send James a letter to tell him how lovely he is and how brave he is. Like th- everything that we said in this episode, like we are not like there is no place where we are at all making fun of James. Like James is a freaking hero. We're making fun of the church. We're you know saying that his family is nuts. Um, but the main, my main gripe here is why is this story on this show? And I'm, I'm like pissed. I mean, this is not just a, like my mind is baffled that they would do this. Like, oh, oh I just hit the mic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking. You're, you're outraged. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> outraged. My Italian hands are just like flopping all around the place. Like I literally <laughs> just punched the mic. Like I'm outraged. Like this is not just a like, why would the producers do this? Like I'm pissed off. I'm angry that they did this. And like, yeah, I'm just pissed. I'm pissed on James's behalf and I'm pissed for every person that has probably been like low T traumatized by this just being suddenly thrown into the middle of a ghost show with no warning. Yeah, this episode uh, took a left turn and then hopped the median and continued driving into oncoming traffic. (laughs) Drove directly into my face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. It takes you for a ride and not in the direction that you want to go. All right. I, I think my rant's over. <laughs> Sorry. Did you get it all out? <laughs> you feel better? I'm still angry. I'm going to have to call my mom to complain about it more after this. Oh. There is, uh, I did find a Facebook group of survivors of the uh, the school. Maybe you can find James in there. Send him a nice little message. Oh, I'm going to have to make a Facebook. Oh, yeah. You deleted yours. You could reactivate it, but fuck that. <laughs> I'm proud of you for being one of the earliest people to just ditch that shit. Oh, yeah. I did that several years ago. I was like, I can't. I can't. So next week, we're going to continue and watch the final three episodes. 
um which i if i'm remembering correctly they're not that extraordinary um i don't remember them at all so yeah probably um, there's not. a clown there's a clown haunting spooky clown um and we get that sounds good uh a soldier that has ptsd but they blame it on demons and not on like the army traumatizing him <laughs> okay i do kind of remember that one um, and then i can't remember what the other one is um but they're just kind of like i think that when i remember this series like when i suggested it i did not remember any of these episodes <laughs> episodes um so i think there's some of the more lackluster ones but i do think that there's gonna be some stuff some good stuff in it um and it may be a little bit more lighthearted next week hopefully um yeah. yeah oh and then so oh and we made the uh an email address which is this ghost sucks at gmail.com so if anyone listens to this and wants to tell us what we should watch next they can email this ghost sucks at gmail.com so uh, you'll check that yeah i probably i have enough emails as it is. yeah i'll check it <laughs> um yeah that's it that's all Let's stop recording.